here's this block and that block that adds income. And it would just help me get to financial independence earlier. So that's what my suggestion would be for a younger person today looking to say, how do I get there? Not only the fastest way, but I would say it's a better way because income just keeps going. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm sitting on my patio deck at our Airbnb here in Seattle and it's probably a cool 70 degrees and yeah, my kids are doing some homeschool type activities and we're sitting here recording podcasts and doing deals and living the dream. Uh Oh my goodness. How's Seattle treating you? I know you were in Portland and then up in Kent and now you're up in Seattle. How are you liking the uh, Pacific Northwest? Yeah, loving it. Loving it. I just love being able to jump outside, at least not have to jump into like cold, foggy weather. So it's been great. Yeah, well, here in the Bay Area, you know, (laughs) 4th of July, as we're recording this, is right upon us. And it's one of, can be one of the coldest times of year here in the Bay Area. It's one of my favorite side hobbies is watching tourists come in in July and August in their (laughs) their um, shorts shorts and, (laughs) yep, shorts and short (laughs) sleeves and freezing. It's pretty funny. A few years ago, my older son, we took him to see the 4th of July fireworks and he was so cold and it left such an impression on him that months later when we were shopping for coats, he said, oh, here's a good one, mommy. I can wear this for 4th of July next year. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about our conversation today with John of ESI Money. And so for our listeners, ESI stands for Earn, Save, Invest, which are the three cornerstones of what John talks about through his blog, as well as his Millionaire Money Mentors Forum. That is a mouthful, not easy to say, but (laughs) it is. I had the chance to be part of that Millionaire Money Mentors Forum not long ago. And it's such an incredible and thriving community that he's created. And in the show, he talks about how that first million is probably the hardest to reach. But I think it's even more important what happens after that first million, because then all bets are off. You're sort of, there's no tried and true and clear method beyond that. And so you really need to lean on the experience of others, as well as people in forums like this or mentors that have gone before you to really help you figure out those best strategies as he talks about to save you the time and to get there faster. Yeah. It was just so cool to be able to talk to somebody who's a little bit older who retired early and just to get his feedback and what would he have done differently if he was to start all over again. So for any of our younger listeners and older listeners as well, but I think even more importantly, this is definitely a podcast I wish I heard when I was in my early 30s for sure. I was searching and searching for all these answers and was not able to find them anywhere else. And just talked a lot about able to retire early. How do I go about that one strategies and things that he wished he knew earlier on? So it was a great show, but yeah, good conversation for sure. Indeed. And one thing that John talks about in the show is how he, years ago, he purchased some rental properties and he recently sold those off partly because the market is pretty hot right now. And partly because he wanted to invest in something that was a little lower. It required less of him in terms of management and strategies and all of that. And so he found passive investing through real estate syndications, which is what we specialize in here at Good Egg Investments. And so for any of our listeners, if you're new to that world, if you're in that same space as John, where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do these rental properties anymore. I need something more passive. Real estate syndications might be a great fit for you. And a great place to start in that whole world is to get a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. Now with that, let's dive into our conversation with John of ESI Money. (music) 
John, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I am great today. So that's a wonderful day to be retired. It always is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, John, I know that the work you've done in creating your blog, ESI Money, as well as the community you've created through that has helped countless people achieve financial independence. And I know that you guide people through three simple steps to wealth, which we'll definitely dive into here shortly. But first, I want to start with something you mentioned on your site, which is that you are not a financial advisor or money professional or guru of any kind. You're just a normal person who happened to learn how to manage money by trial and error, plus some study and focus. And now you've retired early, you've reached financial independence. So John, can you start by telling us a little bit about that journey that you took to reach financial independence? Sure. The only thing I might quibble with is I don't know if I'm normal or not. I guess this interview <laughs> will determine that. But the short version of my story is I was born to, I was in a lower middle class family. I was raised that way. I didn't want to have my life be that way. Not that I didn't have a happy childhood or anything, but I just wanted a little more. So for me, education was a way out. I went to college and then grad school. And then at that point, I didn't really have anybody I could turn to. So I kind of just started doing things on my own. I started reading a lot. I started talking to people. There wasn't the internet back then, believe it or not. I'm that old. <laughs> so I just had to figure it out on my own. So by a lot of trial and error and a lot of time and some guidance from some people that were mostly authors, I slowly climbed my way up and created enough capital that I was able to invest then. So not only was I working, but my money was working for me and eventually was able to retire at 52. And I'm just going to celebrate my five-year anniversary of that coming up in a month or so. Wow. Congratulations. Is that too short of an answer? Or do you oh, don't worry. Details? Don't worry. Okay. We'll, we'll dig in. All right. <laughs> so, okay. Were you working in the corporate world and then you sort of discovered that there was another way or what clued you in that maybe this whole thing that their society is teaching us about climb the corporate ladder and retire at 65 and can max out your 401ks. At what point did you realize, wait a second, is that really the truth or is there another way? So the first thing that really jarred that uh, in me was the book, The Millionaire Next Door. And that was released, I'm thinking somewhere around the late 90s, roughly. But I read it when it came out. It made a lot of sense to me. And I consider Dr. Stanley one of my mentors. He laid out for me the path. There was still a lot of details left out of that. Like, okay, how exactly do I do these things? that I had to figure out on my own. But he gave me the vision that if you do kind of these general principles, you'll end up with a good result down the road. So that was the first major thing that, that really kind of got my attention and got me started on the path of financial independence. I mean, remember, this was way before the fire movement. This is before Mr. Money Mustache and all that sort of stuff. You know, Retiring early back then was if you retired at 60, that was retiring early. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my focus is I, I'll take what Dr. Stanley said in The Millionaire Next Door, I'll apply it to my life. And if everything works out, I'll retire early around 60. So that's when I started focusing on the things that he said. And then from there, I just started finding other books like Your Money or Your Life, which was really a fire book. It, no one said it was a fire book because no one knew what fire was back then. But it really is that sort of book. And then that led to a bunch of books on investing and finding out about index funds and so on. And so I just started at a ground level of earning what I could, saving as much as I could, investing a little bit here and there. And then I started learning more and more about different types of investing, which then, you know, once you're, you build up enough momentum, those investments just kind of start compounding and compounding and growing on themselves. And Everyone says the first million is the hardest. That is true. I'm working on a post now that says the sixth million is the easiest. So it's like a <laughs> tongue in cheek that basically says, you know, once you have enough, 
now it's not only you working, it's your money really working hard for you. And that first million helps you get to the second million and then the two million helps you get to three faster and three helps you to four and so on and so forth. So that's kind of how I just kind of pieced it together. And there's a lot of trial and error in there. There's a lot of, am I doing the right thing? Questioning, but it all worked out. And 28 years after I started my career, I retired and now I help others hopefully do it faster and better because I've learned what really works and what some people think works, but doesn't really work. And, right. and I think it can save people time and money on their journey to financial independence. We'll definitely dig into your tips there. As you're telling your story, it reminds me of when I was a little girl, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I remember distinctly this one day, my mom just happened to mention, she was like, did you know that there are some people who have so much money, they don't have to work, they can live off of the money that their money makes. And I was like, that is crazy. I was like, <laughs> we didn't know anybody like that. She just happened to just drop that golden nugget in there and it stuck with me. And well, yeah, I didn't know how to, yeah, I didn't know how to get there. And certainly my parents didn't learn how to do that until much later in life. And we didn't know many other people who were at that level of wealth. But it opened my mind to this idea. And it sounds like that's what the millionaire next door did for you in your journey. And so once you stumbled across that book, you read that book, it sounds like it made a huge difference in your life. So I know when I read a book, sometimes I read a book and I'm like, wow, that was really good. Now I'm done with that. I'm going to put that on the shelf and go on with my life. <laughs> and other times right. there are books that are like, oh my gosh, I have to go back through this with a highlighter and I have to take note of all the strategies and I have to put some into action. So I know a lot of our listeners are sort of, they've been in that place as well where they've read a great book, but they haven't taken action on it. So tell us, you read the book, what did you then do next? How did you know what? Okay. To do? So the book was the start. And then there were a couple of things that you're right, got me to uh, take action. The first is my wife and I had decided that we wanted to volunteer in some way and we wanted to do it together because I was busy working. She was busy working at that point in time. And so the time that we had outside of work was limited and we wanted to spend it together. So we got into a program through our church. This is before Dave Ramsey, where you could help people with their finances. So we were like, yeah, we're interested in that. And we could probably help people out. So they trained us. It was mostly like budgeting. It's very simple stuff. Get a budget. But what would happen would be people would get referred to us and then we would meet with them and help them go through their budgets to basically get them to a positive stage. They were generally overspending massive amounts of money compared to what they earned every month. So we would spend time with them trying to get their budgets set positive and then encourage them to stick with that. And all those things took a lot of time and effort, as you might imagine. Seeing real life situations and working through multiple versions with different people got us to do our own budget and got us to live on our own, set up our own goals about, we know this is what we're earning. Here's what we want to save. Here's what we want to put you know, aside for this purpose, that purpose. Here's how we control our spending. So that was probably the first thing that got us to start applying the theory in the millionaire next door to our lives was just seeing how other people did it, learning from bad examples and trying to do better than that. So we started applying that budget and we just kind of, we had a big surplus at that point in time because we could live pretty cheaply and we were both working. So that was the first thing. The second thing that happened shortly after that is as part of our training, the program we went through was very big on paying off debt, having no debt at all. And this was back when interest rates for like a mortgage were 8% or something. So it was way different than what it is today. Um, I mean, it was a good amount of money that you're paying on interest back then. So we decided we're going to pay off our mortgage. And the way we were going to do it was I was going to become a writer, which is okay. Mm -hmm. I've never been a writer before, <laughs> but I happened upon this book called Writer's Market 
which is basically at that point, there's no internet. So it's a listing of all the magazines and different ways that, that writers would introduce themselves to publications and write and then get paid for it. So interest in personal finance, we've been teaching people about personal finances. So I wanted to write about personal finances. So I started a small business where I was a writer and I sent out back then query letters, actual physical letters in the mail. Wow. Um, and uh-huh. I was sending you were them dedicated. Out. Oh yeah. I mean, I sent out 20 or 30 at a time. And then I would hear back from maybe one or two magazines and they would say, yeah, we like this idea. Can you do this? And I started writing for five cents a word first, and then it was 10 and then it was 20 and then it was 50 and then it was a dollar a word. So it really got pretty lucrative. Oh, wow. And I was doing this at night. So I would come home, I would work all day. We would have dinner. We'd have an hour or two together. My wife would go to bed and I would be up until two in the morning writing articles or sending out query letters or whatever it might be. And I started writing and started earning a decent side income doing that. And we put all the money against our mortgage. So especially when you have those first payments um, against your mortgage, you see like, bam, 15 payments go away the Mm. first time you make an extra payment. So it was very motivating because we could just see the 30 years that we had on our mortgage drop dramatically. And over the course of five years or so, we paid off our entire mortgage. So we haven't had any debt of any kind, I mean, other than you know, credit card debt that we pay off every month in over 20 years now, for sure, maybe closer to 30, because we paid off our mortgage early. So that was the second thing was I started writing. And as I writing forces you to really think about what you believe And then it encourages you or convicts you, you could say, I guess, to really apply it to your life. You just can't write about it and go, yeah, this is a good idea. And then forget about it. You start applying it to your life. So as I'm writing these articles, I'm like, yeah, we should probably start doing that too. So I started applying these different things to various areas of our life. Yeah, we should should really look at our expenses more. We should save as much as we can. I should focus on work to see if I can earn more money. And all these things added up. And then that that transitioned right into blogging. And I started blogging, had several sites over the years, but in 2005, when blogging kind of became a thing, I started blogging and that just continued it because it forced me to write down what I believed. And then it forced me to follow it and really apply it to our lives. So that's really where rubber met the road and things really started happening for us financially. So I have a question. We talked early on in the show about how the first million is the hardest. Why do you Mm -hmm. think that is? I mean, I think we all know when people say, well, I have expenses, I want to live my life, and I don't feel like saving, right? Um, Right. Beyond that, why is the first million the hardest? And because I think, and then people get to that point, though, right? They overcome the things that might be hard, but I'd love to hear your opinion on this. And then a lot of people don't know what to do next, right? We do all the things. We pay off the debt. We we work really hard. We get to the first million, maybe even the second million net worth, right? And it's like, what next? We did everything, but why do I still see this 30 years ahead of me at my job with no end in sight? <laughs> so right. help us understand what is the difficulty? And then if for someone who's listening, who's like, okay, I have the million, the second million, what do I do now? What's the next best thing for me to do next? Right. Okay. So this is where everybody's going to learn from my mistakes. So this is great because people can retire way earlier than I did if they're listening to this and they're relatively younger. So the first million is hard to get to is the hardest because you're doing all the work yourself. I mean, it's you literally generally working a job and that's it. You don't have any capital that's working for you. So it's either you and your spouse, partner, whatever, and you're doing all the heavy lifting. So it's literally what you earn less what you spend is your savings. You take that savings, you invest it. And then that investment earns a little bit. It grows a little bit, but because it's so small, it's not massively compounding, right? So the first million is tough because you're doing it all yourself. Now, once you get to that first million and along the way, every step is better. So having 100,000 is better than zero and having 500,000 better than 100,000, so on and so forth, because now you have a partner, you have your money that's working for you. So you're working and your money's working 
and your money doesn't sleep, it keeps working no matter what. So that's even better, right? So that's why the second million is easier because you have a partner now. And then it gets subsequently easier and easier because your partner gets bigger and stronger and more diversified and those sorts of things. So that's my experience with why the first million is the hardest. As far as getting the first million and second million, and then kind of wondering what else is there. That's what I did because I didn't really have a vision. There wasn't a fire vision in front of me. I always say, I don't like Mr. Money Mustache because he should have been around 20 years earlier. And that would have been way better for me because I could have retired so much earlier. But he set the vision for a lot of people. And then the fire movement took it from there that you need to start with what's your goal. And your goal generally is an amount. So I need fill in the blank to survive without working. That could be $30,000 for some people. It could be $100,000 for other people, but I need X amount. So that's where you start. And that's really what your goal is. So your goal isn't 30 years in the future and just working and I'll retire early at 60. It's like your goal really is a number that is an income amount for a year. And you say, okay, I need say $50,000 a year to survive, uh, which is a pretty good living, especially if you have your mortgage paid off, you eliminate a big expense. 50,000 is a good amount to spend on non-mortgage expenses. Okay, so now how am I gonna get to that 50,000? And there are a lot of different ways to do it. And you can see that as you put those building blocks together, you can see your progress. And you can see it's not a 30 year, I'm just working for whatever. I am working for, toward a goal to get 50,000. And this block's going to take care of 10,000 a year for me. And this other block's going to take 5,000. And this one's going to take 7,500. And before I know it, I've got enough blocks together that I'm at 50,000. And now I'm financially independent. And now I can decide if I want to keep working or if I don't want to keep working. And you are literally independent now. And you can decide. You can work part-time at your own gig. You could work, keep your job. You could retire for a year and do whatever and then come back to work. It's really up to you. So this is something I didn't do, but I would encourage younger people to do is set your financial independence number and then start working toward it. And if you guys want to, we can talk about income versus savings and all that sort of stuff, but put together enough of those blocks that'll generate enough income or enough savings you can pull from that will cover what you need to live. And then you're financially independent. And then you have a million choices in front of you to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, tell us a little bit about like income versus savings. Talk to us a little bit about that. And then also tell us a little bit more about the middle part of that where we're talking about these blocks. And I assume when you talk about these blocks, we're talking about taking a chunk of money, investing it into something and watching that turn into more than it was before, right? And watching that thing grow, that investment really, right? That block as you refer to it. Right. Tell us a little bit about both of those things and how they relate. Okay. So uh, they're related. I've been thinking about this a lot because as the fire movement was starting, it was developing, the fire movement and the 4% rule are like brothers, right? They're like locked together. So you can retire early. All you need to do is you need to get a certain amount of savings and then you can withdraw it at 4%. And then once you get there, you're financially independent. And that is a way of doing it. It takes a long time to save up enough money and invest enough money at the point where you can pull it out at 4% and live off of it. So that was kind of initially what I was doing because that's the way retirement work. You save up a bunch of money and then you pull from it when you retire and you live off of it. But income is so much better, right? Because income, generally you still have the asset that you have invested in. It's not like you're drawing it down like you are with a 4% rule. You still have whatever you purchase. Plus income can help you get to, it's not just a one, the savings helps you once you're financially independent, the savings is something you draw from. So it's like an end goal thing. The income, if you have it early enough, can help you get to financial independence because it basically pours fire on your earning, which is the E part of ESI monies, earn more money. So it helps you get there. And then once you get to, 
you know, point where you need whatever amount to live on to be financially independent, it goes with you. So for example, a side hustle is a good example of that. So let's say you develop a side hustle over five years and it earns $20,000 a year. So that's not you know, changing the world. It's not requiring you to work 90 hours a week or anything like that. It's relatively doable for most people. So let's say you have a side hustle that earns you $20,000 a year and you're 30 years old, okay? You can use that $20,000 to invest. So it's helping you build a nest egg. At the same time, that $20,000 you can take with you into your retirement. So the great thing about a side hustle is that it helps you get to financial independence and then you can take it in to financial independence. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say you develop a side hustle where you earn $20,000 a year. So that is an amount I think is relatively reasonable for most people in the United States. And that could be anything from like, for me, it was blogging, it was writing. It could be having your own lawn business. It could be the web is so full of things today. It could be developing eBooks. It could be courses. It could be anything. So let's just say $20,000 a year. And let's say you're relatively young, you're 30 years old. That 20,000 is all extra money because you're probably living off your career and you're saving money even from that. Now you have an extra 20,000. You take that 20,000, you invest it, right? So it's helping you get to that first million that we talked about earlier even faster. And it's helping you get to your savings even faster. But even better than that, you can take that side hustle. And generally, my experience is people do side hustles that they like. So they enjoy them. Generally, they enjoy them more than their careers. I certainly enjoyed mine more than my career. My career was great, but my side hustle was kind of like my baby, right? It's like something I enjoyed doing in addition to earning money. So you can take that with you and it dramatically drops the amount of money you have to save to reach financial independence. So for example, I'm going to get my phone out here because the last time I did math by longhand, it didn't work out very well. So let's say you need $50,000 a year. That's the number we've been using to be financially independent. At the 4% rule, you need to have $1.25 million saved up. All right. That takes a long time. You know, and it might be 15 years, it might be 20 years. It takes a long time to save that amount of money. But if you have a side hustle that earns $20,000 a year, you now need $30,000 a year. You don't need 50 because you're going to take your side hustle with you, right? So it's going to go with you. It's going to provide 20,000. You need 50,000. So now you only need 30,000 in savings to be financially independent. When you divide that by 4%, you now only need $750,000. You need half a million dollars less if you have income. So, and like I said, that income could be a side hustle, but it could also be real estate, or it could be dividend stocks, or it could be fill in the blank, something else. The great thing about income is it helps you now save more, and it helps you reach financial independence faster. And because you can generally income, you can invest at a better rate than 4%. To me, it's a better deal. So if I was doing it all over again, and I can look back now and say, boy, I wish I'd done this, this, and this, I would focus more on income-producing assets. And earlier in my career, I'd still save and I still invest in stocks and index funds and that, but I would look for those blocks that I talked about earlier. Like here's my real estate block and here's my side hustle block and here's my dividend stock block and here's this block and that block that adds income and it would just help me get to financial independence earlier. So that's what my suggestion would be for a younger person today looking to say, how do I get there? Not only the fastest way, but I would say it's a better way because income just keeps going. As long as you have a viable business and you have good investments, it keeps going versus a savings-based method. You're withdrawing from your asset base. And the stats will say that the money will last forever, but I just prefer to be more growth-oriented and more, hey, the income's coming. I'm spending the income. I'm not spending the asset. I still have the asset. If things go really bad, I can always sell the asset. 
So it's just another, what I would call margin of safety. So when you do leave work, you have options if something goes wrong. We'll get back to our conversation with John in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with John of ESI Money. I love that. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more. So, so let's say somebody's listening. They're like, huh, this sounds really interesting. I do have my side hustle and I am making a little bit of money, but I've just been socking it away because I didn't know what to do with it. What are some examples like real estate is one of an income producing asset. What are some others following along with our example, 30 something year old person who's got this money coming in? What are some ideas for them to consider? when we're talking about income producing assets? Yeah. So if I was um, doing it all over again, I would look online. So it depends on the skill set of the person, but generally people have something that they're either interested in or they're an expert at or something. Platforms like Teachable these days, you can create a course, you can write a book on Amazon and sell it. I would look at things like that, something where I could create an item, do it well. I invest basically my time. There's a little expense, but mostly it's time. So I invest my time up front. I sell that thing then, and it's relatively passive. I won't say it's completely passive because there's customer service and refunds and you know all that sort of stuff, but it's generally passive after that point in time. So I would look at that as an income source. And in fact, I'm working on a course right now. I think I want to be able to prove and do it myself and say that I've done it. But I think there's obviously people that are doing it. And I think it's relatively easy for people to do these days because people have interest in everything from cooking to fixing bicycles to... I heard on a podcast that there's a lady that teaches people how to raise goats. And she makes something like $100,000 a year on this course about goats. And I'm like, and new people had goats, but are there that many people have goats? I guess so. And there's like issues with goats. Like they get deficient in certain things. And if they do, they die. And so, but she makes a lot of money doing that. So if she can do that, there is something that pretty much anybody listening to this can teach other people. And the old model back in my day was when you teach it, you teach it at a high school or college or grade school or whatever, and it's in person. So it's a lot of time commitment. It's a lot of effort for the reward. Nowadays with technology, you can teach thousands of people around the world simultaneously. You can teach them while you're asleep just by creating a course. And there's all sorts of different ways to do that. So that would be one that I would encourage and one that I would do for myself. 
Real estate has been very, very good to me. So I bought real estate in uh, Michigan where we lived in 2012 and 2013 when things were still kind of there's blood in the water. Still, even then, after the housing collapse and the stock market collapse, the market was coming back, but real estate was still recovering, especially in Michigan. So I bought real estate. I've had it for until just a few months ago. So I've been selling because now the prices are high. The prices were low when I bought. The prices are high now. And I want to move on to something that's less that involves me less. So I had a management company, but I still had to manage them. I still had to deal with them. I still had to deal with tenants through them. And I'm past that. So I sold all those properties. I took part of the money and invested in real estate syndication deals with different syndicators in different markets and different types of real estate. I've got it diversified as I can. And then I still got half the money or so left over to deploy myself. So I would look at whatever version of real estate you know, the listener likes. And I know real estate, because I was there, I know it can be scary because I was like, I don't know if this, this sounds like I'm going to, you know, I could tank my whole life here by investing in real estate. But my first step would be find a mentor, which is what I did. I happened to know a guy. He was a parent. I was a parent. Our kids played basketball together. And I just said, hey, let's have lunch one day. And we went to lunch and I said, hey, I, I know you're a real estate agent and an investor and you have your own properties. Can I earn like money investing in real estate? You know, I was just like so green. It was pathetic. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he showed me the ropes. <laughs> he took me around. He gave me visions. Like we went to houses that I was afraid to go into. I mean, there was like black mold on the wall and there was water running down the wall. And I was afraid the, the place was either going to. Yeah. I was like, like this place is either going to give me like some sort of lung disease or it's going to collapse. <laughs> we need to get out of here right away. So uh, he would say, but if you buy this place, and you pay this amount and you put this amount into it. And then we would go to the next place. Here's what it would look like. And the next place was beautiful. So he gave me a vision too. And he just took me through the process and we ended up buying places together. We fixed them up. I ran them then for nine years, sold them now. He helped me sell them too. So that would be step one is find a mentor, someone who's done it, someone who knows the market, who knows the type of real estate that you're going to get into, find that person and learn from them. And his deal, our deal together was he would teach me and I would buy my houses using him as my agent. So he got obviously something out of the deal. He helped buy them. So he made the commission when we bought and he made commission when I sold. So I would definitely have a chunk for real estate. And then dividend stocks. I love dividend stocks done the right way. Unfortunately, now where the market is, I'm not as big of a fan of dividend stocks unless you're in it for the long term. So if you're in it for 10 to 20 years, then that's a different story and it's a different situation than I'm in now. But a great time to buy dividend stocks is when the market tanks. So we all had something in, let's say, was it like March of 2020? Seems like something happened in March of 2020. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the stock market went down dramatically, Right. That was a great time to buy dividend stocks because the yields on them were high. So I got all the cash I could together. I invested and they were yielding at that point because the prices were so low and yet they were still committed to a certain level of dividends, you know, five, six, seven percent on just blue chip companies. So these companies weren't going to go away. It was just coronavirus was there and everybody's freaking out about it. So the stock market went down. These companies still had fundamentally good businesses. So I bought then. So that's the time. And there will be another one of those. There will be another market drop sometime. We don't know when it is. It could be tomorrow. It could be five years from now. But that's the time I like to buy is when those stocks are on sale and I can buy in, I can get a good yield from them. And then I get growth in addition to that. So I'm a big fan of dividend stocks. I have a few millionaires on my website. I interview millionaires and I now have a membership site for millionaires. And there are several people who have become financially independent on just dividend stocks that they've accumulated over 15 or 20 years, just buying a little bit here and there. And those stocks grow. So you have the, the underlying growth, but you also have ongoing income. And it's a pretty sound strategy if you can pick the right companies over a long period of time. 
I love that. I have not gotten into stocks yet. I have played around with the stock market, but never had a lot of success. Still working on that strategy myself personally, but it sounds like a great opportunity. If somebody was looking to get into dividend stocks and they thought, this this sounds interesting. I'm heavy in real estate. I would love to learn more about dividend stocks. Where do you recommend they start? <laughs> oh man, that's like a softball question. A I love show. that. Um, <laughs> it's a whole nother so, show, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on my website at esimoney.com, you can go down there. By the way, ESI stands for earn, save, and invest. Those are the three principles. If you do those, you'll grow your wealth. So I have uh, several articles on um, the basics of how to get started in dividend investing. They're written by one of the guys I just described who's, I think his earnings now are like close to a couple hundred thousand dollars a year just from dividends. And he's been doing it for 15 or 20 years. So that would be the first resource. I don't really have a lot of great books, to be quite honest. I'm thinking about writing my own because I I wish there was like a, here's the book that I could recommend everybody. I also have a membership site that I alluded to earlier called the Millionaire Money Mentors. And these are from my millionaire interviews on my website. I've got about 80 now millionaires that have agreed to mentor people in the forums. And we talk about everything from, you know, we talk about real estate, we talk about dividend stocks, we talk about, you know, you name a financial topic and we are talking about it. So there people can ask very specific questions like, hey, I don't know anything about dividend stocks. How do I get started? And you will get, you know, the per- that person will get several different answers. And that's up for them, up to them to decide, okay, this, which one seems like the best answer for them and their situation, and then to follow up on it and take action accordingly. So that's what they're meant there for is the, is the millionaires are meant to save the members time and money by saying, here's what I've done. I can point you in the right direction and you can save five years of frustration and probably thousands of dollars by just learning from my experience and not having to kind of do it on your own haphazardly. So that would be the second uh, resource that uh, I would suggest. Awesome. I love it. I'll have to go check it out. Is the membership a paid membership or what is the structure like? It is a paid membership. Yeah. So look at that. I'm going to go this will be part you guys will cut out. But if you guys want to labor, I don't know when you're going to air this episode. Do you have a date you're going to air it? It'll be a few, several weeks out. I don't know the exact date, but we're probably looking at at least August, if not September. Okay. So around Labor Day, so probably like the Wednesday before Labor Day, all the way through Labor Day, I'm going to have a sale on my membership and it will be the normal price. If somebody goes today is four. $190 a year. During that time, I'll be selling it for 290 a year. So okay. a significant discount during that period. So if you air it right before yeah, that, perfect. then I can answer one way. And if you would prefer, hey, we've got other things going on, I could say something like, I've arranged with you a special deal and I could give you guys something like, you know, millionairemoneymentors.com slash good egg. That's a unique URL that they could go to and they could get, you know, the $290 price, you know, in the middle of September, if you wanted to. So it depends on how you want to answer that question. Do you have a preference for one versus the other? I would say if it's not too much work for you to set up the ladder, that would work better only for future people who listen to the show, because I don't want them to miss out on it if they're not able to listen to it right away. So would that be doable? Uh, sure. Yeah. Especially if you're not going to do it for a couple of months. It's not that big of a deal to change to set up a page. I would copy my same landing page and I just have mm-hmm. a different URL. Okay. So let me answer it that way. So the question was... Is it a paid membership or you know what is it? So yes, it is a paid membership. When I started the membership, I was given advice actually by the millionaires to make it a, to a paid membership because people tend to value and implement more if they pay for something that they get it for free. That's just been my experience. It's been the experience of the people that were advising me. So the regular price is $490 a year. But because I love the listeners on this program, if they go to millionairemoneymentors.com 
slash good egg, um, they can get a $200 discount off that 490. So it's only 290 a year. It comes with bonuses too. So the idea I try to have is, yeah, someone pays in this case, 290 a year, but they're going to get bonuses right away, right after their seven day trial membership ends that they're going to be worth way more than 290. So they're already in the money right away. So all the advice, all of the content, all of everything else is just gravy on top of that. So that is the paid membership. We have a, like I said, we have 80 or so mentors and we have several hundred members right now in this forums. And it's the value I think is just uh, irreplaceable. I mean, and it's true. If you don't spend any money, you're not going to value the, the content and the relationships that you'll make there. But it could be that one conversation that you have with one of the mentors or one of the conversations you have with somebody you network with in the group that completely changes the trajectory of your journey and where you ultimately end up along your journey for financial freedom. So and I can yes. speak from personal like, of that. And I can speak from personal experience as part of that forum because I was one of the mentors there for for a little while. And it's just such an engaging community that you've created, John. And there's just people, they definitely value the information. They value the connection. And I can tell they're in there asking truly genuine and authentic questions to help each other, as well as to help themselves on their own journeys. And for any listener out there who's thinking about getting a mentor or joining a community like this, there truly is none other quite like it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I echo that. I mean, I've learned so much myself from these other people because there are a million ways to get to a million dollars, basically, is what it boils down to. And everybody kind of has their own strategy and they have their own area of expertise. So I had my way, but then all these other people have their own ways and they say, well, what about this? What about that? So I'm starting to incorporate some of their learnings into my financial plan. It's making my life a lot easier. My net worth is growing dramatically. And it's great to connect with people and have people in your life that you can talk to about money, not worry about being judged, not worry about is somebody going to ask you for a loan. A lot of people have with family members. If you talk to them about, hey, I got this money I'm sitting on the side, what should I do with it? And their answer often is, hey, you could give it to me. They just have genuine concern for you, the experience and the willingness to take the time to explain what they've done, why they've done it, how they've done it to help someone out and save them. Like I said earlier, years and years of trial and error and probably thousands and thousands of dollars. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's such valuable information. I think when we started off the show, one of the big things that we talked about was this idea of having your money go out and work for you. And that, I think, is really the missing piece that is something that we're not taught. It really is the investing piece. And I think everybody's taught to go out there and you know you're supposed to save a little, but the missing piece, that, and that's really the secret sauce, so to speak, that I've seen my own personal life once I realized this idea of having my money go out there and work for as you said, you know, while you're living and your money never sleeps and it continues to work for you is the thing that really allows you to start to see that significant growth along the way. So I love that. I loved our conversation today. We're going to move into the Life and Money Show Spotlight, where we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? So a little interesting um, on this, because I've thought about this a lot. The thing I do to live intentionally is I have a schedule. And you know, I thought about this a lot. And the thing I do to live intentionally and meaningfully is I have a schedule. And that may sound kind of contrary to financial independence because people think of financial independence. So I, I get up in the morning and I just, you know, I kind of connect with the universe and then I decide what I want to do and I do whatever I want to do. And that's how it kind of works. For me, I'm more of an organized structure person and I have goals in my life and I want to I don't want to be static. I want to progress. So I have a, 
a schedule, I would call it. I don't think it's locked in or it's not locked in for sure. But generally, here's what I do every day. I get up early. I walk a little bit to kind of get warmed up. I feed the cat. I drink a bunch of water because I live in Colorado where it's dry. I walk over to the gym, which is about a half a mile away. I work out. I have breakfast in the cafe at the gym. I walk home. I might then work on my website for somewhere between an hour to three hours if I've depending on what my goals are, how I feel and, and I answer some questions in the forums. And then I usually go play pickleball for two to four hours in the afternoon. I eat dinner at four to five and watch a movie with my wife and then we're into the evening and we start the day over again. So I like that because it helps me hit several things. If you do studies on retirement, um, retirement is not just, you know, let the wind carry you and see what happens. It's really, there are areas that if you check those boxes, you are much more likely to have a successful retirement than a terrible retirement. So in there, I hit physical activity, I hit mental activity, I hit meaning in life because I'm helping people learn about personal finances. I hit social activities because I see people at the gym. I sit with somebody at breakfast sometimes. Pickleball is not only a game that's a physical activity, but it's also very social. So I, I hit all those things. amazing things about pickleball. I've heard- You got to play it. Once you do though, you're going to be hooked. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's, what I hear. It, yeah. Especially if you've ever played tennis, racquetball, or ping pong, any of those skills- transfer really well to pickleball. So people that have played those in the past generally do pretty well. But so that's like a loose schedule, but that allows me to really enjoy my life. In fact, one of the things we talk about in the forums, my website is ESI, earn, save and invest. There's the opposite of that. So that's the accumulation phase. The opposite of that is ISE, which is invest, spend and enjoy right? So that's the decumulation phase. But a lot of us find that to be difficult. You know, we've spent our years and decades building wealth, and now it's time to spend it. And we all have this like internal mechanism that says, no, I don't spend money. I save money and I invest money. That's what I do. And I grow it. You know, I don't spend it. So now we're into this other you know, phase of our life where we're trying to you know, decumulate and trying to live it up. And I'm having the hardest time doing that because I enjoy my life so much. Just what I explained to you, like, I'm like, if I spent money on something, where would I spend it that I would have a better time than I'm having right now? And for some people, what I just described would be very boring and they'd want to travel the world and do all that. But it's, you know, I live in Colorado. I see Pikes Peak every day. As I walk around, I see mountains and it's just beautiful. I do what I want to do at the, if I don't want to work out that day, I don't have to. If I don't want to have breakfast in the cafe, I don't have to. If I don't want to work on my website, I don't have to. I don't have to play pickleball. I don't have to do any of that. But I choose to do that. And it's so great that I'm having a hard time spending any money on something that I think would be better. It's so, it's a tough situation, but it's, uh, can you guys hear that? We can, yes. That is my yeah. That is, that's my uh, adjustable desk telling me. I don't know what it's telling me, but it's uh, oh, saying something. You've been standing too long. Maybe I have. Yeah, maybe I have. <laughs> so hopefully, okay, I'm, I'm going on and on anyway. But yeah, that's my. That's the thing I do. Is I have a schedule, and it helps me achieve what I want to achieve in retirement, and that's a meaningful life to me. Yeah, I love that so much because in my life too, I pulled in a million different directions between running my business and raising my kids. And, you know, I left my job three years ago so that I could do what I want when I want to do it, just like you said. But if you're not intentional about how you spend your days through a schedule, for me, it's living by my calendar, then it's very easy for certain areas of your life to take over and go in different, your life could end up going in different directions that you didn't mean for it to go. And so for me, I live by the same, live by my calendar, live a very balanced life with my kids and my work. So love that very much. So second question is around others' life and money. What is one life or money hack that you can share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now? 
Okay, so this one works for life and money, so it's a bonus. I would say do something small every day. So I'm a big fan of the book Atomic Habits. If you've read that, if you've read The Slight Edge, they're both very similar. But the idea is just like your investments compound over time, your life and the things you do can compound over time. So if you want to achieve something, so say I want to run a marathon, right? You can take that to very small steps and make what seems like an impossible goal very possible by just doing something every day. And that could work for, it doesn't only work for, it works for money, it works for fitness, it works for business, it works for relationships, but take your goals, what you want to accomplish and do something about them every day. So there's a principle about get 1% better. So if you get 1% better every day in your relationships, in your money, in your physical fitness and everything, that's just a small little change. That's like, you can't even notice it, right? But it compounds dramatically over time because 1% now builds on a higher level at 1% the next day and then another higher level 1% the next day. And before you know it, you have made dramatic gains by just making small little changes that that you really can't even notice on a day-by-day-by-day basis. It reminds me of the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? Where the hare just wants to get up and get after it, and then he he burns out and he falls asleep, and the turtle just makes these small little slow steps every day, and he ends up winning the race. Um, And I think that's so important because I think especially when it comes to the world of saving and investing and financial freedom, people people want to be the hare. They want to go out there. They want to see big success. They want to rear in a year or two, and they get burnt out, right? they lose and it makes it hard. And so if you focus on being the tortoise and you take these small steps at a time, eventually you'll get there. So I love that. Yeah. All right. Last question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? So I view my website and my membership forum as as making the world a better place. I think I'm helping people have options. And ultimately, it's up to them to choose what they want in their life. But I can provide them with a lot of information. I can save them a lot of time and a lot of money and make their lives better by allowing them to live whatever life they want to live. So that's my commitment. That's why I like to write. That's why I like to advise in the forums and give you know feedback is because I think it helps other people be more flexible with what they want to accomplish in their lives. And the cool part about that is that all of the stuff you've written, as well as everything in the forums, all the connections that people have made and are making, that lives on even after you, even right. if you choose today, I'm never going to write anything else again that still lives on there. So what an incredible legacy. And it's just a common theme through your story that you just continue to give back of your knowledge, of your time, of your wisdom to share with others, which is why we're so happy to have you on this show today. So John, tell our listeners, what's the best place that they can go to learn more about all that you're doing? Okay, so the best place is uh, ESI, those three letters, money.com. That's uh, my main website. I post three to four times a week, do millionaire interviews. So if you want to hear a new millionaire story every week, we have at least one every week. And then if you go to millionairemoneymentors.com slash good egg, you will see the details on what the membership forum is like. You'll get you'll have savings on what other people pay to be part of that membership. And if you choose to select to be part of that membership and and you know, learn from the mentors, I'm in there every day. I'm there as ESI money. So it's easy to find me. Stop in and say hi, say hi to everybody else and be ready to share what your needs are. And there will be, you'll get a lot of feedback from people who have been quite successful in raising and in increasing their own net worth. So those would be the two best places. If you're a Twitter person, that's probably my biggest social media outlet. So I'm at ESI Money Blog on Twitter. 
And I do post pictures on Instagram, ESI Money blog as well. And those are mostly for people that follow the website and just want to see what's retirement look like for a guy that lives in Colorado. So got a lot of pictures of Pikes Peak. I got a lot of pictures of my cat because he's like with me all the time um, when I'm at home. And a lot of pictures when you know we used to travel, which we're going to get back to now. A lot of pictures of what that life looks like as well. So people enjoy kind of seeing retirement could look like for them as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you are certainly living the dream and helping others do the same. John of ESI Money. John, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life & Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 